picture of it, right? So the first one was the outer court with the fence, right? Right? So when you enter, it was a white lining cloth that was used to cover it. It's so beautiful. Now, it was out of the place. Uh, when you enter through the gate, there was only one gate. You can, you, there was only one gate. You can't use back gate. Only one gate. To picture that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. When you enter, there was a white lining cloth that covered, which was used as fence. Lining, the Bible signifies righteousness. So when you entered inside, nobody could see you. If they wanted to see you, they had to see the white lining. Telling us when we are in, was what we call, the first furniture you see there was the altar of sacrifice. Where animals were offered as burnt offerings. You follow that? The second furniture you see there is what we call the brazen lava. The priests had to use to wash the, their hands and their feet from the dust from the ground. So when you enter the tabernacle proper, the first item you see there is what we call the lamp stand, which gave light to the tabernacle. Are you following? The second thing you see is the table of showbread. So bread was baked and placed on a certain table called the table of his presence, which was to signify that God wanted to eat and dine with Israel. That's called fellowship. The next one you see there was what we call the uh, table of, uh, uh, which prevented man from entering the Holy of Holies, right? That when you enter through the curtain, you see the Holy of Holies with the Ark of Covenant there. Actually, everything was about Jesus in the sense that the first furniture, which is the altar of sacrifice, was to picture that Jesus Christ was the bent offering that was offered for our salvation. As the brazen lover, it was to picture that Jesus Christ was the one who cleansed us from sins. As you enter inside, you see the lampstand to picture that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And as you move, you're going to see the table of his presence. That means Jesus is the one who brought us into fellowship with God. The altar of incense represents that Jesus Christ ascended on the third day after he had died for us. And when you enter into the Holy of Holies, you see the glory of us was the hidden glory of God. Are you getting this thing? So now, that was, that's not even my message. The main thing is that in that tabernacle, which later became the temple, the three compartments, which was the outer court, the holy place, and the holies of holies, in the New Testament was exchanged. Because remember, in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, the Bible says we have our bodies become what? The temple of the Holy Spirit. So now, in exchange of the Old Testament tabernacle or temple, we are the new temple of God. And it's interesting. And the reason why these three compartments were necessary was because the outer court represents our body. The holy place represents our soul. And the holy of holies represents our spirit. Now, follow this. The light of the outer court was the sun. That is why the light of a human body following this. So, do you remember that in the Old Testament, there was a veil, right? You remember the veil? That veil, eh, it was not easy for you to tell it to. The veil was 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and 4 inches thick. You know what that means? Joseph said, when you put two chariots and the Bible says when Jesus died, according to Matthew 27, the Bible says the veil tore from the top to what? The bottom. Remember it's 60 feet high. No man can climb it. 
How are you going to climb it? But it don't. So what was he representing? It was representing that the Old Testament Levitical system of approaching God was now over. And the new covenant system has now been activated. And God was leaving the man-made temple to come and live in the God-made temple, which is your day. And remember, there were, listen, there were only two that were mandated to carry the presence of God. Or the presence of God was supposed to be in two places. Number one was in the tabernacle and number two was on the shoulders of the priest. They were mandated to carry God's presence. In the New Testament, it's amazing. We are the temple and the priests at the same time. So the believer, by virtue of him being the temple of God, God now dwells in him and he carries God. And by faith has been mandated to contain God and to carry God. So, you cannot live like a defeated person. The Holy Ghost power, the one that brought creation into reality is the one living inside you. Tell someone, I am powerful. Tell someone, inside me is an intercontinental ballistic missile. Hey. I'm here in It's not tongues. Listen. That, see, the believer is a dangerous being. And you see, when the Holy Ghost lives in you, do you know what it means? He, when he comes to live in you, it's as though Jesus is the one living in you. And it's as though the Father is living in you. So actually, now, the entire Godhead has found their abode in you. And for information, for information, the Bible calls the word temple in Greek naos, which means shrine. That's why we always tell you, give thanks. Just be giving thanks. Thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It's a sacrifice. Look at the next one. Look at uh, uh, 17. Look at 17. Uh, 16. Look, ah, look at another one. He says, but what? Do good and to communicate. That's giving. Forget what? Not. For with such sacrifices, God is. Anytime you do good to others, you are strengthening your altar. Tell someone, strengthen your altar. So, actually, you see, so, so what happens is that when we offer right sacrifices in our shrine, what happens is that the spirit power over our lives is increased. I'm teaching good here. Let's move on. Last week, we began to look at how the Holy Spirit can become effective in our lives. How his ministry can bless us. Because, listen, there are some things you are going through, you don't need to go through them if you understand how to make the work of the Holy Spirit effective in your life. Number one, we said that the first thing that makes the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives effective 
is having a prayer life. Hallelujah. The work of the spirit is strengthened when we have a prayer life. Which means that the spirit of God's ministry in our lives will never be effective when we don't pray. I've told you several times, if you run away from prayer, you are running away from your destiny. Hallelujah. Remember in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, the Bible says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with us all. Look, you see the word B there is bracketed. That means it was not an original. Are you getting that? It was added by translators to make meaning. So without the B there, he's saying the communion of the Holy Ghost, what? With you all. That means this one is not a prayer. It's a reality. Are you getting that? So now, do you see that Jesus is responsible for releasing grace? The Father is responsible for releasing what? Love. The Holy Ghost is responsible for what? Fellowship. But hear this. Fellowship with God is strengthened by prayer. There is no way anybody can tell me he's having fellowship with God if he doesn't pray. How is that fellowship possible? So hear this carefully. We need to understand our fellowship with God in two lights. Number one is positional fellowship. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. Hmm. You need to listen to me. Oh. Listen to me. Because the solution to all the problems that you are moving from one prophet to the other is in this teaching. He says that God is faithful and by whom you were what? Called unto the fellowship of his son. Hear this. This one is a positional reality. We have been called into the fellowship of his son. The second line of fellowship is what we call the vital or the experienced fellowship. The experienced fellowship. That one is the fellowship that is engaged. We call it fellowship that is engaged. So it is not just a positional reality that I'm in fellowship with God and I'm just shouting it. No. Now you begin to take advantage of that access you've been given and you decide to amalgamate with that reality. You begin to practice it. So you wake up in the morning, you enter into your prayer closet and you begin to pray. You begin to study the word of God. So what you're doing is that you are engaging in the reality of that fellowship. Now, the difference between strong and weak Christians is those who take advantage of their positional fellowship with God and practice it to become an experienced fellowship. It is pra practice over time. You know, many Christians love shortcut Christianity. Shortcut. 
do it quick, quick, quick for me. That's, that's why a lot of Christians are in trouble most of the times. Those times our mothers, they didn't know that when you are in trouble, you have to go and look for prophets everywhere in the world. They didn't know that. They had some small revelation. Their child will die. They will lock the bedroom together with the child. He said, God, if you don't raise this boy, you are no longer God. Hey! Put God in a tight corner. Raise the boy back. They go, they go to church. That's how they were. They, they, they used that small revelation they had from church. They used it. You are having so many revelations. Plenty revelations. But nothing is working. Listen, it is not the revelation you know that makes a difference. It's the revelation you practice that makes a difference. I am telling you. So many know a lot, but practice nothing. So they, their diaries are full. You are a good student, not a good practitioner. So they can tell you what pastor taught. Quote point one to point five. Give you Greek and Hebrew. But the very solution that was in that revelation, they never worked in it. They closed their diary. They closed their heart to that inside. So listen, it is not the revelation you know that makes a difference. It's the revelation you practice. I just said to you that two main sacrifices you can give to the Holy Ghost is number one, what? What? Prayer, number two. Thanksgiving, number three. Giving. A believer will hear this and go back and go and live the same. Meanwhile, the solution to the, your life problems has been released in this one. I love the word of God, though. I converted some money into dollars eh? and then I went to honor someone with it. No, no, there was one person who has been in the US following me together with a wife. Following me, watching my teachings just like that. And he came to Ghana. He came to church today. He also came to give me dollars. We, I knew how to practice this thing. It's a practice. He says to do good and to communicate. Forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. It is a sacrifice. So listen, these are things we practice and we teach you. We teach you. We teach you. But every time the believer's life is small. Always complaining. I don't know what I've done to the devil. Do you have to do anything to the devil? Tell the person beside you, grow, 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 grow. So right now, it's not that I'm boasting you, but Satan can, cannot come, come and threaten me. Or a witch cannot come and stand in front of me and tell me that I, I give you three days. <laughs> I have passed that stage. I'm telling you. There's no pride. I've passed that stage. I've prayed myself out of that stage. 
many Christians don't know this. I just said that your body is the temple of God. The creator of the whole universe, the one that brought creation into being, is the one living in you. This thing must provoke you. It must provoke you that some things must change. How can God be dwelling in me and the spirit be sleeping with me at midnight at the same time? When in Isaiah 54, he says, thy maker is thy husband. Listen, this is revelational. It must provoke you. Thy maker is thy husband. No spirit does sleep with me again. It must awaken you. It must awaken you. Tell somebody that thing must awaken you. He lives in me. He lives in me. I said he lives in me. I said he lives in me. He lives in me. He lives in me. He lives in me. So number one is prayer. Number two, quickly, is yielding. Yielding. If you want this, the work of the Holy Spirit to be effective in your life, you must learn to yield to the Holy Spirit. That means you give yourself to him. Now what does it mean to yield? To yield means three things. Number one, it means to surrender. Number one means what? To surrender to him. And when we speak of surrender, <laughs> there are three major inspirers of surrender. Number one, we surrender because we love him. If you don't love God, you can't surrender anything to him. Number two, we surrender because we fear him. And number three, we surrender because we know him. So listen, if you don't love God, if you don't fear God, and if you don't know God, surrendering to God will become a problem. Praise God. So to yield means to surrender to God. Don't let God find it difficult convincing you. When you mess up and the Holy Ghost draws your attention, don't try to explain yourself. Don't pretend as if you don't know what you have done. He cannot have an effective ministry in your life. Listen to me. If you are that believer that doesn't know how to surrender to God, you can't travel far. Number two, to yield means to trust God. Number three, to yield means to follow God. So when we say a man is completely yielded to God, we are saying that the man, number one, what? Surrenders completely to God. Number two, he trusts God. He does not have too many options. You know, it is difficult to trust somebody when you have other options. 
I'm teaching good here. If you don't have some help somewhere in your pocket, you can't trust. You can't trust. You don't have some solution somewhere. You can't trust. For example, we are starting a building project. And the kind of building project that we are doing, eh? even if we are to save for 10 years, we can't build it. So, with such a project, you have to what? You have to trust God. When God realizes that you are out of options and he's the only one you depend on, you will see his hand. That is what it means to what? To trust God. There are some of you, you have used your strength to bulldoze your way into everything. Your strength. You have used your strength to do everything in this life. I've tried. But you have not trusted. You have tried, but you have not trusted him. And number three, you follow him. That's a yielded person. He follows him every time. Hallelujah. Is someone getting something here? Number three, to make the Holy Spirit effective in your life as a child of God. Number three, obedience of the word of God. This is one area eh, that a lot of believers are having challenges. If you have not obeyed the simple word of God, how does God even give you specific instructions that you obey? If you follow our teachings, you realize that we've said there are five kinds of obedience in the New Testament. Number one is what we call the obedience of obedience of faith. Anyone who believes Jesus has obeyed Jesus. When you believe Jesus, when you hear the gospel, the gospel is free. Jesus loves you. If you believe him, you will be born again. He said, Jesus, I believe you. To God, you have obeyed him. I, I wish I had time to go into scriptures. So the first kind of obedience is what? Obedience of faith. The day you believed God, believed in Jesus Christ, you obeyed him. And that's what brought your salvation. Please, are you getting this thing? So, technically, every believer is an obedient person. Because you took heed to the gospel and said yes. Are you following? Number two, is what we call obedience of what? Obedience of? Obedience of what? Christ. What's the obedience of Christ? Hmm? What? The obedience of Christ is the obedience that Jesus Christ obeyed in hanging on the cross. Do you remember he said, not my will, but what? Your will. Jesus obeyed. That obedience was what brought your salvation. Had it not been that obedience, you wouldn't have even obeyed the, the faith. Are you getting this thing? Number three is the obedience of the word of God which is taking the word of God, literally, as God's word comes to you, you what? Obey. Come to James chapter 1, verse 21. Let me help you on that. James 1, 21. Hallelujah. Now look, he says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. 
Now he says the verse 24, be ye doers of the word and not hearers deceiving your own selves. That means any believer who does not obey the word of God is living in self-deception. You did do yourself. Look at the next verse. He said, for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. The verse 24. For he beholded himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetted what man of man he was. Like I'm teaching you, you are beholding yourself in the mirror. All the things you heard, you say, wow, this teaching is very powerful. I love this man of God. What he's saying is very touching. And then you left. You forgot it. Look at the verse 25. This is where the meat is. We're going to read it together loudly. One, two, go. Uh-huh. 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 He says, but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and what? Continued. So it's not one time obedience. Continuous. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of what? Actually, he's supposed to be a doer of what? The word. But he said doer of the work. That word work there is business. That means you have one business, obeying the word of God. That means obeying God is your work. Your spiritual salary as a child of God comes from your obedience of God. The Bible says, This man shall be blessed in his deed. Hey, in Ephesians 1 3, the Bible says, He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. This, these are blessings that came from the cross. But this blessing comes only by obedience. Account by what? Obedience. Are you getting something? Now, you're going to write this down. Spirituality is scripturality. It's very important to know something. That you make, you give tough time to the Holy Spirit to help you when you don't study the word of God and you don't obey the word of God. He has nothing to, he, he can't help you. Do you remember in the book of John 14, 26, give that to me and let's, let me help you on that. John 14, 26. Alright, now look, he says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name he shall teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said now what does he bring to your remembrance the things he has said now this is a very serious matter remember the bible tells us the holy ghost shall teach and he shall bring to remembrance you know what that means it's simple if you know nothing he reminds you of it. Now, there's a reason why God wants us to study his word and keep it here. 
For example, you are studying the word of God. It says flee fornication. This is something in your spirit. You kept it here. The day the temptation to come, the, 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 the day the temptation comes, the Holy Ghost will crystallize that revelation you caught in your heart and speak that verse back to yourself. He reminds you of the things he has taught you. So if you know nothing, he will only remind you of nothing. We have made Christianity so difficult. We have made Christianity difficult. The believer is in church, he can never forgive. The believer is in church, he's bitter about everybody. The believer is in church, he does not give his offerings. The believer is in church, he does not obey a single word from God, yet expecting many things from God. Have you ever walked into a bank you are not invested in demanding for your money? That's what many Christians do. That's what they do. They come to God, God, I'm your daughter. Give me. You never position yourself to receive. And I've seen many Christians disappointed in God. And they say, I trusted God. He disappointed me. And God is like, God is in shock. What shock him out? That me, you are disappointed in me? Hey, no, God, yeah. So listen to me. If you are not obedient to the word of God, I am sorry the Holy Spirit can do much to help you. Praise the Lord. Am I helping you? Number four. The fourth thing to make the ministry of the Holy Spirit effective in your life is acknowledging the Holy Spirit and his lordship. Acknowledging the Holy Spirit. Now, when you read the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, the verse 5 and 6. Now, watch that the Bible says, trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart. Lean not on your own what? Understanding. Look at the next one. He says, in all thy ways, what? Acknowledge him and he shall direct so divine direction does not come to those who don't acknowledge the director i'm teaching you basics you see i'm taking my time i'm not sounding too mystical i'm teaching you basics he says in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path there are many people who are looking for divine direction who are not acknowledging him. Oh, did you ever ask the Holy Spirit to help you to find something that was missing in your house? And when you found it, did you tell him thank you? 
You never acknowledge him. You fell into trouble at the hands of the police. And you know nobody can save you. You say, Jesus, please help me. Save me. I beg you. This situation, I can't explain. I don't have a mouth to, to come out of this situation. All of a sudden, something just happened. And the thing became a foolish case and you went home. You never said thank you, Holy Spirit. He was the one that did it. You never said thank you, Holy Spirit. You were telling the Holy Ghost that you were broke. Two days later, someone sent you Momo, 500 Ghana CDs. And the money came. Immediately it came. You never said thank you. You went to eat. You see, I am teaching you because listen to me. Whatever you acknowledge, it multiplies because you make him feel that he's the one that did it. And he says, you know something, let me do more. I'm teaching you about acknowledgement. This simple thing the Holy Ghost is doing for us. We fail to acknowledge his ministry. Acknowledge him. Listen, the Holy Ghost, I told you, listen, the best way we can understand his personality is like that of a woman. That's why in the Bible, in Genesis, the Bible calls the woman the helper. The Bible calls the Holy Ghost the helper in the New Testament. That means that you know the way women are soft and tender? It depends on the woman, of course. <laughs> because some can beat us. But basically, the soft-heartedness, the tenderness of a woman, is that's how the Holy Ghost is. He does not force himself on you. That's why sometimes it's very difficult to discern his voice because if a demon is telling you to go and last, he'll be loud. <laughs> Have you realized that? He'll be loud. If a demon is telling you to be bitter, unforgiveness, they are loud, loud. But the Holy Ghost is telling you, forgive. Very light. Fast for two days. <laughs> it will come soft. Soft too. The second time, it will be more fainter. Fast. Two days. The third day. Fourth day, you hear it again. And you see, that's why when you hear the voice, you know, do you know when you hear God, you hear? Eh? One time you're worshiping, you're in the spirit, and you're yeah, my mama, yes, oh, and the Holy Ghost said, Go and drop your watch on the altar. <laughs> Do you realize that that voice didn't come to force you? It didn't insist again. It came once, it was a little heavy in your heart for some time. Then gradually, the thing was fading. You, you see that? The voice was fading, 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 fading. Now, I didn't hear it. He said, The voice has lifted. You missed, you missed something great. No, I'm telling you something. It is when we get to heaven and we realize that the Holy Ghost was giving us an opportunity to be blessed and yet we missed it. Almost every bad thing that ever happened to you, the Holy Ghost found a way to communicate it. I'm telling you. Almost every bad decision you took, the Holy Ghost found a way. But we never listened to him. Because we think that we can go our own way. Now, can you imagine? Look, look, look at how vast this world is. The kind of people we have. 
both wicked and unwicked. All these people. Do you think, do you think you can live this life alone? Hey. You need a helper from above to be able to direct your path. I was explaining to a church the other time that listened to me. Have you realized that when you're traveling somewhere, you need a GPS location, right? Right? So the GPS knows the map to every place you want to go. Right? So you just have to follow the GPS, GPS map that it gives to you. The Holy Ghost, all the location to every part you are looking for is in him. He knows places that you don't know. And he wants to help you. I'm telling you. Acknowledgement. Which means when you wake up in the morning, you're acknowledging, Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. The things he did for you previously, you're acknowledging, Holy Spirit, thank you for the idea you gave me yesterday. The revelation he gave you when you were reading your Bible, you thank him, Holy Spirit, thank you for the revelation and insight you gave me yesterday. What you are doing is that you are encouraging his ministry so you will see it more. Am I making sense to you? So some few points under the fourth point I just mentioned. Learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. There was a time I was doing my Bible reading. I was reading Genesis. And then I read one casual scripture. God said to Abraham, Arise and go deep, go deep to the land. I was doing my normal one year Bible plan. Arise and go ye to the land. And walk on the land. The moment I read that, I just heard the voice of God. Arise. Go to your land. It was at dawn, around 2 a.m. Go to the land. Walk there. So we just, I just called some of the pastors. We just moved to the land. We went to pray there. If I didn't even know why the Holy Ghost said, go. But I had to go. We have to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes eh, our breakthroughs, our miracles, and everything great that will happen to us is in that voice. Am I teaching good? Number two, learn to practice deep worship. The Holy Spirit loves environments of worship. Let me just give you an advice. If you want to have a deeper walk with the Holy Spirit, you must learn to cut off worldly songs. Especially those who yearn to hear his voice. I can be your hero, baby. Whoa. Give me some of the songs you have been playing in your bedroom. Give me some. Give me some. Yeah, we are all backsliding. You just give me some. <laughs> oh, give me some. Why are you behaving like you are Holy Mary like that? Mama, give me one. Give me one. It's been a long time, eh? I want one. You just try. Somebody, give me one for a handsome reward. What? Freedom, yeah, they are playing. 
So some of you you have it on your playlist. Back to back hundred. We are singing hundred. play back to back. Then you play. No, oh dance one. Now ball. Now you and so also no part. No, oh the first year count. How can the ministry of the Holy Spirit be encouraged in that environment? We are singing. If you're in the first service, we explain to you that listen, spirit communicates through songs because 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 the words communicated in those songs are spirits. So listen, anytime you encourage deep worship, I told you play worship songs in your bedroom. Play worship songs in your bedroom when you are sleeping, when you're around, even when you're reading your Bible. Play it cool, put it there. Nice worship songs, worldly songs, it's not entertained by the Holy Ghost. Someone says, man of God, that's my favorite too. I'm sorry, I can't help much in it. To pack music, uh, uh, Westlife. Uh, is it Westlife? Okay, I said, my, my, my Kobe SMC is here. Let me just move on. Give me another name. Eminem. Eh? Or Titifono. Chris Brown. I just read Chris Brown. Also Titi, in Tipu Boy. Bobo. Which one? McMill. McMill, not McMill. What? McMill. Uh huh. Cut the B. Am I, am I right? Cut the B. Uh huh. Again. What? Black Sheriff. Yeah. Black Sheriff. I said, Bepenin Jumpa. That was just by the way. Uh-huh. Yanko. Give me. Banner boy. Stone boy. Uh-huh. Shatawali. Then you see, you'll be playing back to back to back in the bedroom. Listen to me. There's no anointing. Thank you very much. There's, listen, there's no anointing that will rest in that room. I'm teaching you serious matters here. Listen, there's a price to pay to serve God. I'm telling you. And these are principles you need to understand. You can't play any kind of song in your room. Someone says, okay, so what if my roommates, that's the song they listen to, and I'm in four in a one, four in one uh, 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 hostel, and they have been playing it there. What do I do? But, huh? what, what do I say? <laughs> For earpiece. And I'm too few. Yeah. So you also have to find a way of changing the environment. But find a way. And that's why you must be an evangelist. You must preach to that roommate. Now record And they hear the voice. Prophet laughs. He said, You cannot be a Christian and listen to worldly music. Now but we be a volume no. I can say, Jesus, I feel the Holy Ghost. <laughs> then I think it's entering the person. You have to find a way. Tell somebody to find a way. So you have to see if you want the, the Holy Spirit. You see, John said, I was in the Spirit in the lost day. The lost day. Elijah, before he prophesied to them, he says, Get me a harpist. When they were playing, the hand of God came upon him. 
So listen, I'm telling you, the atmosphere and the music you listen to is very important. Bro, delete those songs. It won't help you. There are some songs by the time you finish listening, last, I come body, it will just be hitting you like that. You can't stop. And you see, you may be looking for a solution, but I am giving you the solution. The environment, the atmosphere. Now, have you realized that when you are in a beer bar, okay, or a drinking spot or something, there's a certain atmosphere there which encourages sin. Have you realized that? So, listen to me. The environment you create really matters. As a child of God, there must be a difference. Tell somebody there must be a difference. Number four, learn to encourage his ministry. Number three, learn to encourage his ministry. All right, so let's do some recap. What are the ways of making the work of the Holy Spirit effective in your life? Can someone give me one of them? Don't look into your diary. Just look at me. I want to test whether we've been able to get something. All right. All right, developing a prayer life. is one of the ways to make the work of the Holy Spirit effective in your life. All right, number two. All right, sir. Yielding. Okay, what about yielding? What do we say about yielding? Surrender. Trust. And then following. That's very powerful. All right, we made a very important statement. I said that there are three things that needs to be in place for you to be able to surrender to God. What are the three things? We said number one, you have to what? Love God. Thank you. Number two, Fear God, number two, number three. Know him. That's very powerful. Okay, so the next point on how to make the work of the Holy Spirit effective in our lives. What? What? Acknowledging the Holy Spirit. Okay, so can someone explain that quickly before we close? Can you explain that? Okay, you mentioned it, so can you explain that? What does it mean to acknowledge him? Okay. Alright, so we said that when he does something for you, you know sometimes before you read your Bible, you pray and says, Lord, open my eyes so I'll see revelations. So whilst we're reading the Bible, he drops some revelation. Just give him some fans. Tell the Holy Spirit, you are just amazing. I just love what you have just done for me. I really acknowledge you for what you've done for me. Thank you. When you do that, he's going to do it more. Uh, please, are you getting that? Because remember, he's a person and he craves for a relationship. Are you following that? He's a person and he craves for what? A relationship. So that's how we, we build that relationship. Alright? What's the next point? Next point? What? Obedience to the word of God. That's very powerful. Alright. Uh, does anybody have any question to ask? Get a microphone. You have a question to ask before we go. You have a question? Just lift up your hands. We'll get it, we'll get it to you. There's no need to be shy all right. Yes. Um, so I want to ask. Um, yes. No, it's okay. There's the difference between um, believe and trust, like believing God and trusting in God. Okay. Um, eventually, believing and trusting God is the same, but 
the difference is that believing is more passive trusting is more active because when you trust someone there is something that you would do to prove that trust that's what the bible tells us to believe the gospel that means that when you heard the gospel you just believe in the reality of what god's word has said which became a reality in your life but when you trust god there is a corresponding act that must be active to prove that you trust him do you understand what i'm saying so for example if you believe that god um can bless people financially on account of that he says give when you trust him you can you can give when you have not even received the money i don't know if you get what i'm saying so trust is more active you know so it's like the verb of belief you're getting that uh-huh yeah all right let's have a second question all right He's asking a very important question. Yeah, you can talk. Ask the question to the mic. I want to ask: Does the Holy Does the Holy Spirit speak to all believers, and how does He communicate? Does the Holy Spirit speak to all believers, and how does He communicate? Very powerful question. Yes, the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us. How does He communicate? It depends on how you have built your relationship with Him. For example, if you are a child. Okay, if you are a child and I want to communicate with you as a child, do you realize that I use a certain way I'll communicate with the child, which will not be the same as how I communicate with an elder? Have you realized that? So, depending on our growth levels, the Holy Spirit communicates to us. There are some people, their dreams will be more louder because they've not developed their spirit to be able to hear him and, and, and sense him and know his impressions when he speaks. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the Holy Ghost must find some serious ways of talking to them. For example, in the Old Testament, because men were spiritually dead, if God wanted to talk to them, there's no other way than, number one, appearing to them or speaking in an audible voice or coming with an angel. I'm sure somebody's like, why are we not seeing these angels and stuff? It's because the experience you have is better than what they had in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, the, the, their spirit man was dead. That's why everything an angel has to come. Everything an angel has to come. But now that we are alive in God, our spirit man is now in union with God. So now God has better ways of speaking to us compared to the old. Are you, are you following this? So the more we develop our relationship with Jesus Christ, there's a way he, he begins to speak to us depending on our walk with him. Are you getting that? So, me, most of the time, when I finish praying, or while I'm praying, I sense things in my spirit, man. Deep impressions to do certain things. It's one of the ways he speaks to me. Number two, he speaks to me in dreams. Number three, he speaks to me through people's voices. Sometimes you can be having a casual chat with me, and I know God was saying something to me, and you don't know God is saying something to me. Number four, sometimes he speaks to you through peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. When you want to take a decision, you lose your joy. All of a sudden, you're not happy. Maybe someone says, oh, Charlie, there's a guy I want to introduce to you. Maybe see if something can work out. And then maybe you, you need a relationship. And the person said, let's try this guy. See, you, The guy is wonderful on the outside. But when you saw him, something went off. You just lost your... You were excited before, but something just went off. Have you realized that? That thing that goes off was the voice of God communicating to you. You just lost your joy. You just lost your peace. Sometimes it's some, a kind of, I don't want to call it fear, 
But it's like you, you are in a place, then you feel uncomfortable. Sometimes the Holy Ghost is telling you that place is not best, it's not okay for you. Am I teaching good? So the Holy Ghost has different means of communicating to everybody. If we go around here, you'll be shocked how the Holy Spirit speaks to certain people. You even believe it, but it's true. Amen. So it's a very good question. I don't know if I've helped you enough. Have I? All right. But does God have a way of speaking to you? How? You sense things. That's it. So you just mentioned it. All right. Somebody has a question. Yes. Yes. Please get the mic. Let's do it quickly. Let's do it five minutes and then. Um, I want to know that can it be an instance that the Holy Ghost can prompt you from doing something which, is, which, which you feel is nice. For example, like you be somebody, the person is in need of maybe money. You yes. Have it. Yes. You want to give out. Yes. But can it be an instance that the Holy Ghost Spirit can stop you from doing something that you feel is nice? Yes. Very, very good question he has asked. Now, hear me carefully. Now, um, there are times, there are things that are very good. Eh? In fact, the Bible, listen carefully, the Bible gives us the general will of God. But if you depend only on the general will of God, sometimes you will end up in trouble. That's why he did not only give us the word of God. He gave us what? His spirit. So hear carefully. The Bible gives us, is, is the general will of God. The Holy Spirit gives us what? The specific will of God. Have you realized that before a doctor becomes a specialist, he starts as a general practitioner, right? So now, what happens is that when we walk in the general counsel of the word of God and we are faithful, now he begins to give us specific counsels. So now, the Bible tells us to be good to all men, right? We should be kind to all men. But you see, there are times you want to obey that verse to be kind to all men and the Holy Ghost will tell you this particular one, don't go. Don't give. You are not wicked. You are obedient. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, do you remember Jesus said, go ye into what? All the world and preach. There was a time Apostle Paul was going to go and preach. The Holy Ghost forbade him from going to preach. It was in the next morning, a, a person came there and said, come to Macedonia and come and help us. He saw it in a dream and he was directed to a certain place. So though we have all been called to go and preach, God by time will give us specific areas to go and preach. Are you getting this thing? So likewise, the general will of God helps us and guides us to give us a picture on how we should walk. But as we develop a deep walk with the Holy Spirit, he begins to direct us specifically. So there are times you want to give. There was a time I gave to one man at dawn when I was coming. I don't know what happened. He, he looked very ratchet at dawn when I was coming to church to come and pray on Sunday before service. And the way he was looking, it was too compassionate for me. The moment I put the money in his hand and he turned, he looked at me this way. When I looked at him, I, my spirit left me. I made a mistake. Of course, he can't do anything to me, but I shouldn't have given him the money. That's what the Holy Ghost was telling me. And I said, God. So, from the time, from La Paz, I drove all the way to church. I lost my joy. I just lost my joy. And it happens. So, the Holy Ghost was telling me, don't do it. But, I just thought I was being kind. And many Christians have ended up into trouble just by generally being kind. Some have put money into the wrong hands. In the name of helping. 
Some of you, one time your roommate will tell you, can you give me your dress to wear it? And you sense that, no. Unfortunately, I can't give it to you. Some of you, eh, <laughs> you are extremely too kind. So the question he's asking is a very, very important question. There was a time one man had a very serious encounter. A very good friend who was very rich came to ask him for a huge amount of money that he was going to pay him after a month. And he knows this man is rich. He was just locked up. Once he was about to release the money, he heard the voice of God, don't give the money to him. He won't pay back. But on the outside, the man is rich, having so many cars. He gave him the money. He never got the money again. How? Wow. Because just few days to the time that the money was going to come, the man was arrested and jailed. There are sometimes there are some investment. You go and make them without the direction of the Holy Ghost. When you were doing them, you felt in your spirit that this thing won't work and you still went to do it. Because the person was convincing you. Please, are you getting this thing? So listen, in the general will of God, there's a specific will. As we listen to the Holy Ghost, he can stop you from doing something that was outwardly what? Nice. And people will not understand you. People will be angry with you. Why did you do that? Why did you do this? It is better to obey than to sacrifice. Did I answer? Good. And once you are convinced that the Holy Ghost spoke to you about it, don't be afraid. If you lose the relationship out of that, it is part of it. But if you have somebody who is afraid, who is afraid to offend people, you can't, you, you can't do much. You must be okay offending people to obey God. I've done a lot. God has told me to cut myself off for, for some people. On the outside, everything is fine. But God says, don't move with this guy. Don't move with this pastor. Don't move with him. On the outside, he's fine. And he's disappointed that I, I ignored him. But the Holy Ghost said, don't reply him. Don't mind him again. So there are some of you, the Holy Ghost will forbid you from cut, like cutting you from certain friends. But you never understand it. It's for your own good. Praise God. Alright, so we're going to end here.